Hey Coconuts, welcome back to TFC's weekly market updates, where we scour the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. For our first story, is Elon Musk planning to buy a social media platform? For our second story, another ride-hailing company is going IPO. What's happening? And number three, why are stocks still up given all the bad news in the world? Hey Coconuts, welcome back to Tuesday's weekly market updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson, welcome to the new week. Yes, hey. welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, man. Thank you. You got the sand on your face, the salt water in your eyes from all the He's cruising. On the cruise, lah. Don't, don't need to touch the sand. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah, I, no didn't sand, even, I, I didn't even get to disembark, guys. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chlorinated water, maybe. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, man. Hope, hope you had a refreshing time. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Could be longer, yeah. <laughs> it always can be I, I, I think all, all breaks from work are a bit too short. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for, forward to the next trip already. Yeah. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> all right, Coconuts, for this week, we thought we'd try something new, right? So roll with it. Let us know uh, later on if you do like it or not, right? So we actually, we're going to talk about three things, right? Elon Musk and its 9.2% stake in Twitter go to having a IPO. And lastly, we're going to end off with a little bit of macro because you know what? We missed Jefferson. But yes. <laughs> two other sections and, we're going to so roll you know out. this will be a long episode, right? So right. Jeff, Jeff <laughs> yeah, exactly. macro. <laughs> when, Jeff, when Jeff goes away, it's 30 <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. When Jeff comes back, it's like 40-something. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> okay, we're trying to keep it short today, guys. <laughs> but, all right. So coming back to our new sections, we thought we'd try, you know, a sort of a what happened in the week for the US, China, as well as SG, or SEA headlines. Um, and we're going to kick off first with the US. So Jeff, take it away. Yeah, so a couple of things that happened this week. Um, I guess the, the news of quite a few stock splits. So GameStop is going to do a stock split. Tesla is going to do a stock split as well. Um, we also have uh, Starbucks in the news where Howard Stewart's returned as CEO for the third time. I don't think he ever left, to be honest. <laughs> I think he got, he got replaced as CEO, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and they are suspending uh, buybacks as well. And we have JP Morgan Chase uh, losing up to $1 billion from Russian investments as well. And last but not least, uh, Elon Musk takes 9.2% stake in Twitter and shares shirts. Yeah, so... Yes. Why exactly is uh, Elon Musk trying to buy a social media <laughs> platform, guys? Yeah. Well, Anthony, he I, 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 guess, us. <laughs> I guess he, he could have been Trump and, and created a new one, right? But it's easier to buy when you're the world's richest man. <laughs> true. Well, well, true, true. Not, not wrong about that. Um, I guess it didn't take long for him to start stirring things up for Twitter, right? And his <laughs> new CEO as well. Uh, <laughs> hey, poor guy is still on paternity leave, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Really, really, really funny. Yeah, so less than 34 hours after he uh, revealing he's acquiring a 9.2% passive stake in the company, uh, Elon Musk asked the Twitter's user whether they wanted an edit button offering yes. misspelled yes and no options. What? Um, Are you serious? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah he did he, that. He, he did it on Twitter <laughs> poll. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! Oh, well, right. bad, bad uh, news, so I think he's news. yeah. He he just got right. appointed to the board of Twitter. So so his passive yeah. oh, is he no longer passive. Yes, like twenty minutes ago. Wow! 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 And they have quite a yeah, lot of people on the board, don't they? Quite yeah, a lot of alphas. They, they quite do. a lot of big names. Uh, well, Jack, 
I mean, they, they have a lot of outside investors, a lot of activist investors. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. This is, this is fun. This isn't like news news. It, there's nothing to analyze here. This is just like, what the shit's going on, guys? <laughs> Twitter is a new meme stock. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, Twitter, uh, back on this news, right? So Twitter actually says that uh, Elon Musk is exactly what they need in that sense. So it's interesting. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, right, right from what I'm reading right For now. For their stock to, to rise, uh, I presume, right? Uh, I don't know, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's like the, the, the loving critic, right? Whatever, whatever the phrase they wanted to use. But look, he owns more shares than anybody else in the company. He owns more shares than the, the institutional investors, than Fidelity, you know, owns through their various funds. So he, he's wow. literally the single largest shareholder. So you, you can't expect Twitter to come out and say, oh, you know, um, yeah, we, we don't really welcome this. What do you want to do? We need to talk exactly. to you. Right? He, he, they need to kind of engage him and, and you know, soothe his ego, which, which he likes. So, so, and then they'll keep him happy. So it's fine. Yeah, well, true, true that for sure. And I think the Twitter CEO, Parag, uh, said in a tweet that uh, he's excited about appointing Mas to the board. Uh, he's both a passionate <laughs> believer and intense critic of the service, ah, which is exactly what we need at Twitter <laughs> and in the boardroom to make us stronger in the long term. So, <laughs> well, to, to me, I think that <laughs> it's, it's interesting, right? So this whole um, freedom of speech concept uh, where, mm. you know, um, Elon Musk essentially trying to pre- preach across to the, to the rest of the world as well. Interesting how he chose Twitter as a platform. Yeah, I think that's yeah, maybe that's other the, platforms. That's the underlying, isn't it? Yeah. But why Twitter exactly? Yeah, that's the question that I've been on my head. Oh, I think there, there's two things, right? One, one is he he's like super big Twitter user. Right? He, he's on Twitter like 24-7. He does everything on Twitter. He, he gets charged for tweets right, by the SEC. So, so it's, it's literally, it's, he's like Tesla sales and marketing and it's all done through Twitter. So, you know, hooray. Um, and, and I guess it's a lot easier to, to buy a, a ready-made network with, you know, all the users and all that. I mean, look at Trump and Truth Social and, you know, all the problems they're having, right? Even with the Trump brand name behind it and, and quite a bit of money behind it. So, so yeah, and this is what, I think his stake was what, 1% of his net worth? Less than 1% of his net worth? To buy 9.9% of Twitter, right? So, so it's nothing, com- it's it's nothing, nothing to this guy. Right? This, yeah. this is literally like us buying, you know, it's not even us buying a car, it's us eating at a very expensive restaurant and, and calling it a day. Maybe for you, la, for me, buying, buying chicken rice. Uh. So, passport pays more than that, I'm sure. Yeah. There, so, there, guys. You know. There, there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very so, nice. So, yes. I think he... I, this, this might be just for shits and giggles, but, you know, as a shareholder of Twitter, I'm very happy that it's, it's driven the share price up at 30% now. Fantastic. It's no longer making a loss. Look at him saying fantastic. He's confirmed a shareholder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm quite big. Um, it's probably part of the portfolio. Uh, happy days for Anthony. Uh. No wonder he say restaurant yeah, 1%. Big expensive yeah. meal all. Yeah. I think th- time, time, to, time to ask him for, for free meal soon. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I just bought a barbecue. Y'all can come over and barbecue. Done. Nice. Done. Open call to all coconuts, is it? 
No, 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 no. Right? no. It's about ten percent limit, guys. <laughs> Maybe we should, we, should draw, huh? we should do a lucky draw. We should do a lucky draw. Dine with Anthony at, uh, from TFC. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, all, right, all right, guys. Coming back, coming back to it. Um, let's look at the numbers, Anthony. Do you still do you think that you know the the thirty percent raise in Twitter is um, a bit too much in terms of hype, uh, or is it a fair valuation of what Elon Musk can bring to to Twitter? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't quite get what Elon Musk can bring. I think I don't think he brings anything on the operational end, right? It just brings like hype, and and I mean he, he's a marketer, right? He's a hype mm. man, so so that's great. Um, you know, I've always felt Twitter was a bit undervalued, so so this to me is you know, great, even though it came in in a different way than, than what I expected. But but yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's a good platform to, to relatively decent to use. They they obviously have problems with monetization, you know, all, all that doesn't go away just because Elon Musk is on the board. Right, mm. um, their their skill of their their pace of change, their their new features, all that again doesn't go away just because Elon Musk bought a stake. You know that there, there are real issues with the business that they need to turn around, and they have been trying to fix. And and I think that the work just continues. So so you know this is this is just like fun news. This this isn't like anything serious. It doesn't change the fundamentals. I think, except that you know all the Elon Musk fans come over and and buy up the stock, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. All right, we'll jump on to the next story. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the China Hong Kong headlines. Anthony, tell us what's going on there for the last week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nothing. Nothing we need to, to go into too much detail today. I think it's all kind of things they've gone, they've talked about before. So you know, Baidu came out early in the early, mid last week and said, "Oh." We, this U.S. listing is terrible. That's the listing risk. We are going to look at how else to where else we can list. And after that, in late last week, I think it was Friday last week, you know, the China Securities Regulatory Commission (CSRC) came out and said, "Oh, fantastic! We are we have plans to revise the, the confidentiality rules for audits for overseas listings, and, and that's one of the key risks that that you know allows for U.S. listing, right? So hopefully that's an issue that's fixed. No more fat. We, we can move on with our lives." And well, a, a bit of China macro, the, the Chinese banks are, are saying that they have time types ahead. After that, ICBC registers earnings with their highest ever growth. You know, there's a lot more news about well, Chinese regulators going up. Oh, yeah, we have bad economic growth. Shanghai lockdown, we need to stimulate more. We are, we are going to do everything we can. But no, no real action yet, I think. So, so it's, it's a lot more of wait and see. Got it. Got it. Cool. Awesome. Um, all right, then let's let's jump on to SG and SEA headlines for this all right. week. All right. Yes. So we have SPH REITs reporting earnings. Right. I think that was a good one. Um, one other point that popped up in Singapore here was Capital Corp and Saint Marine are still working on a merger agreement. Hopefully yes. for for thirtieth April, right? So we'll see whether it's it's going to be delayed or anything. We'll but it, it, it's been burning for a while. <laughs> it has, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think you know. Last but not least, one thing that I do want to talk about a little bit more um, for for all of us here in Southeast Asia is go to the company. Well, I should probably say that <laughs> is um, going to <laughs> go IPO. Hey, hey, no, hey. I'm going to IPO <laughs> on April eleventh. Now, for those of you who don't know, go to uh, coconuts out there. It's a company that actually was merged uh, or created in 2021 by Gojek and Tokopedia, right? So Gojek, I think we all know the right hailing company grabs competitor. Tokopedia is like this massive e-commerce in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. um, I think they own 
I mean, I think there are numbers or something or accounts for 1% of the Indonesian GDP. Like that's how big oh. they are. It's massive, right? Uh, Tokopedia. And they are going to list. Hey, uh, Jeff, guess Hooray. where? Which country? Adios, uh, no idea. US. Um, yeah. No, they're not. They're going to list on the Indonesian Stock Exchange. <laughs> <change. laughs> hey. <Huh>? What? Why? <laughs> no, super <laughs> anti <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they are going to list on the Indonesian Stock Exchange. So no, it's not a spec. Right? They're actually just listing by themselves. Um, I don't know why. I wish I know why they were in, um, in, in the Indonesian Stock Exchange. I'm thinking because of um, what they're doing next, right? And one of the cool things that they're doing is they're giving all their drivers, well, I think most of their drivers, shares in the business, Ooh. right? Which is, oh, which is pretty cool. I think it's somewhere around 600,000 drivers are going to get a total of $20 million US dollars worth of shares. Which how, is, how much is okay. that of the float? Like, like how, what, what they value that? Like, is, is this a substantial the amount of... They're, well, they're, no, not really. They're valued at 1.1 billion, should they, right? And during the IPO. So this is 2%. 2%. Isn't that, it? That's, I think so. That's quite high. Is that 2%, 20 million? Wait, sorry, no, they're, they're raising 1.1 billion. So this yeah, is 2% sorry, of, raising of what they are, they're selling. Raising, yeah. correct. Yeah. Um. So... Yes, and they are, sorry, their projected market cap is 2.8, uh, 28 billion, uh, which I think is the question that you're asking, Anthony. The USD, right? Not USD, rupiah. USD, yes, yes. Not, okay. not uh, Indonesian rupiah. But yes, <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts here, guys? Uh, Jeff, how do you feel about the Indonesian market? Uh, honestly, I don't have much uh, view on it. So I'm probably the worst person to ask about it. Yeah, uh, yeah but I, I, I do think that uh, in some sense... <laughs> I think all three of us can agree to this. <laughs> well, well, I do. I do expect it to be somewhat like the, like you know, grab right. Mm. Maybe less of an extent or having to be on the Indonesian stock exchange um, on that front. And I think it's nice of the company to have uh, given you know um, part of the IPO to these uh, to their drivers as well, and they definitely value the people as the as one of their greatest assets. Um, definitely a workout in the long run and I think a lot of the Gojek campaign and Tokopedia campaign if you look at it uh, when I was at Indo I, I, I briefly scrolled through them um, a lot of it's very people focused people centric and for for them to go on IPO and you know on the Indonesian uh, exchange as well I think it touched the heart of the people so potentially there's like some some uh, room on the sentimental side to to grow as well, you know, yeah. Mm. And it's it's a big app that everyone uses. Everyone know about them in Indonesia. So yeah, it's a smart move versus like having to list it on the US uh, on spec. Like up to today, I still can't fathom why Grab did that. Um, couldn't it be much better to yeah to, to do it back? In- <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, um, it, it's not it's not the same of having like. In this case, like for what I see, GoTo is not trying to you know cash out quick. Yeah, that sense. They they are trying to grow. Yeah, grow the company. Uh, is is a growth story right there? Uh, as opposed to Grab. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's my I, view. I mean, I I think that that's that that's the trade off, right? If they listed in the US, whether through a spec or through a direct listing, which would be painful. You know, you 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 would get better multiples, better valuation. 
um, you'll get more institutional investors in. Whereas you go and list in your home market, you get you know your, your national pride essentially, right? And and that Absolutely. could be a boost in your share price after IPO, but that, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help because you have sold your shares, right? So so I think it's it's a trade off, right? And and it's quite interesting to see, you know, as Jeff said, how Grab chose one, um, and and got the money, Project. and in in a admittedly hot market, and go go to chose the other way around, and we'll see what how they do. Um, on IPO, yeah. But yes, I, I went to search. So if you are in Singapore and you want to buy stocks in the Indonesian share exchange, you, you better have an old school broker like Poems or you know um, CIMB, I think, also has access to the Indonesian mm. stock exchange. Right, your, your Mumu, um, Tiger or IBKR, all that don't have. So, so you can't actually... So as an international investor, you can't actually buy shares in um, GoTo unless you, you use a different platform. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's that's one of the one of the limitations, right? For for listing yeah. in the Indonesian stock, stock exchange. But I do yeah, know I, mean, I think and, and we're in Singapore, right? We're we're so close. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think one of the, the points though that that you know when I was in Indonesia and just understanding a little bit more about what Gojek was doing, was that they actually penetrated the culture in, in Jakarta, right? Almost everyone from from the top tiers right down to the slums were still using Gojek. Right for for whatever for whatever the reason, right? They own the streets, in other words. So, I think if the, uh, one of the questions for me is, or one of the points I feel that they are listing in Indonesia is to bring that awareness to them, to every single Indonesian. But at the same time, give the drivers that ease, right? Because they are getting some shares, and I think they see that there's enough money in Indonesia, and that's so true, right? Like in the startup space, like what the 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 line is: you go into Indonesia, you don't need to come back out. And there's a lot of people in there. <laughs> I mean, they're one of the world's largest populations, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like when people talk about the, the Southeast Asian growth story, it's, it's really Indonesia, you know, plus like Vietnam and, and Thailand. Like Singapore's not part of it. Singapore's, Singapore's just never the growth story. <laughs> Singapore's the haven. <laughs> the HQ. Yes. That's about it. <laughs> cool. So let's move on to the last topic of the day. Hey, look, we're making good time, but Jefferson's about to talk now. Yep. Um, so so we're going to go for that half an hour. <laughs> Jeff, take it away with some macro. Yeah, so um, I, I don't have much this week, to be honest, uh, but I guess some, some question uh, that was asked by some friends, uh, what's not, is like, why, why are stocks still up given all the bad news in the world, right? Mm. So if you look in the rates world as well, uh, it was pretty much a round trip in rates last week. Uh, and this was a function of mostly just technical factors. So you see like month end buying and rebalancing flows, uh, which was skewed towards buying of bonds and selling of stocks, uh, the usual typical you know flow that you see, yep. uh, as well as some position squaring uh, given the significant move in the US front end uh, year to date mm-hmm. with one year, one year uh, rates touching 3%. And also, uh, the weakness in oil also explained some of the midweek rally in bonds. So in Europe, in particularly, uh, with news of U.S. oil reserve release. Uh, however, it's worth remembering that whilst the energy shock from the Russia-Ukraine crisis has compounded the inflation problem for global central bank, the structural uh, commodity market imbalances still remain and this was never the true source of uh, inflation yeah, as it, we it, have already discussed. 
Yeah, this was yeah. just kind of like something yeah. unexpected that, that came up that made inflation worse, right? Like we, right, we yeah, talked exactly. about like, you know, some supply issues. Um, there, there was a lot of pent-up demand that, that drove out inflation. All of those mm. are, are still, you know, well, hopefully they're kind of being fixed with the rate rise, with the rate hikes and the, the rhetoric around rate hikes. But, you know, this, this is just the, the oil reserve <laughs> is just part of it. We shall see. We shall see. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, okay. What's with that tone? Tell us more. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't really have uh, I, I, I don't really have much views on that front on whether the rate hikes will actually solve the problem, right? I, mm. As already discussed uh, the past couple of weeks as well, uh, rate, rate hikes to me feels like a stopgap uh, for inflation, uh, pressure, inflationary pressure from going amok in that sense. But mm-hmm. uh, with whatever they already, whatever they already have been happening in the global markets, I think um, more aggressive rate hikes will solve this issue. But you bring about a different set of issues as well, like st- uh, stagnation, recession, <laughs> yeah, and what's not stagnation. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, but I think going back to the main question, right? So why are stocks still up? Mm. Um, I think there's probably seven reasons uh, to, to think about why uh, there, there's some strength or robustness in equities given the challenging okay. backdrop. So the first one is uh, real interest rate remain deeply negative and mm. the equities provide a real you in that sense. So people are still, you know, rotating into that space. So um, technically what that means is instead of putting money in the bank, even though the equities are slowing down, it's still making a bit more money than that. Yeah, exactly. So it's more of like a last last mile effort kind of thing from what I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also equity is a real asset uh, as they make a claim on nominal GDP, right? So some people will have a potential interest to park their money with equities in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at it, uh, your private sector balance sheets are strong. Yeah, like if you look across the earnings, you, you probably see that as well. Yeah. Um, Everything is still strong, strong, strong. Uh, happy days. That's, that's the only um, thing keeping me sane. The balance sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also the credit markets have been relatively stable, reducing systemic risk. So everyone's happy about that as well. Uh, fiscal spending, capex are increasing as well. So you have more support from the government, which in turn, you know, support all the different SMEs and corporates as well. Happy days. Uh, valuation have also fallen uh, to below long run average on some measures. Mm-hmm. Um, positioning have uh, been re- sorry, positioning have been heavily reduced, raising the asymmetry on risk assets as well. So, on that front is is that people are more willing to park their money on risky assets, even though you see there's more uh, rate hikes going on, uh, inflation Volatility. noise and what's not. But people it's like you know. Uh, I need to put my money somewhere and the banks are not giving me that. So I'm going to just put it in the risky asset in a sense, uh, despite all the different risk. Yeah. Okay. And it has so, been going up. It, yeah. Actually, day, so, question question yeah. on that, right? So they don't want to put it in the bank because it's not enough of an interest rate. So they want to put it into a risky asset. Yeah. I, I think this, this is kind of like the, the, the there's no the Tina thing we were talking about last mm. week, right? That yes. you know, essentially people have nowhere no to put choice. the money, so they yeah. put it in, in the equities market. They, they don't have a choice. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of these narratives, I, I have a bit of an issue with, um, in, in a sense that, you know, 
all, all these were present already before the drop, um, except for the, the valuation points, right? So, so you know, it's been strong earnings all the way throughout the past year. Absolutely. Right? Um, like if you talk about tech, non-tech, you know, the, the economy has just been doing well, right? So, so balance sheets have been strong for the past year. It, this is not a new thing. It's not as if we are re- recovering from, from an economic downturn, right? That, that people are flowing into shares. So, yep. and you know, credit markets, again, still, still stable. Lots of people are still doing you know, physical spending, KPEX are, are all there. So, uh, what, I mean, like all, all these factors have been present for, for the past few years. So, you know, why, why the decrease and increase? I think this, this feels to me to be just, oh, this is a very convenient narrative to say, you know, but it doesn't explain what happened before. Um, maybe you know, the, the driver really is that you know, there, there was a big rotation out, right? When, when people looked at de-risking and, and sold out of equities to, to park in cash or whatever. And, and that drove valuations down. And now it's a bit more of a risk-on mindset and, and you do reallocation again, maybe, right? But I, I don't know if that's the, the full explanation. I don't know if there's enough volume in, in the market to, to say that you know, this actually explains the whole thing. No, no, I, I agree, I agree. Um, but one of the things to, to think about is that uh, if you look on the risk asset space uh, prior to like the quarter three, quarter four of 20, uh, no, we shouldn't even talk about quarter three anymore because quarter one has passed. So quarter four of 2021 and uh, yep. quarter one of 2022, you actually see that there's uh, a huge rotation out into the bonds market mm-hmm. um, and people are just basically holding cash, right? Because uh, while you're saying that earnings are strong, it's on a relative uh, scale, right? It, mm-hmm. it wasn't as strong as what was released in quarter one, in a sense. People expected a worse, worse off quarter one. But okay. for whatever reason, your uh, it, it didn't happen. It was happy days for everyone. So mm-hmm. uh, currently, if you look at the current equity market condition, it's just what we call a fat and flat market environment where mm-hmm. we can... Or we should expect a wider trading range and a much lower returns. Yeah, so it's not gonna be like everything is gonna be rosy. Everything, everything is gonna be uh, all green, right? You mm-hmm. probably gonna see like ups and down. Uh, maybe a little bit up more than down in that sense. Um, but at the end of the day, you think about it, is it's nothing more than just uh um, uh minimal returns. Yeah, versus say like your post financial. Crisis era in that sense. Yeah. Wait, wait. So, sorry. So, so when, when it's like a wider trading range, that is that just like higher volatility? So, so there's a you know, greater range of uh, prices, or yeah, it's just open close. I feel right, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, of of course, yeah. So you you might you might end up seeing uh, a lot more swings. So mm-hmm. good for like swing traders and what's not. Uh, yeah, but for sure you're gonna see a, a higher volatility in the markets, especially like. Uh, if everyone go back and forth with this whole bond narrative, like, oh, mm. where's the fixing some space going to be? Where's the, uh, what central banks are going to do? And interestingly, if you look at the crypto space, you, you, it's, it's a, a little bit more evident in that, in, in that space. So you, you end up seeing earlier rotation out uh, from crypto in quarter four, uh, quarter three, quarter four of last year. Um, and in the past three months, the last quarter, you actually see 200 million uh, flows coming back into crypto again. Okay. And that was a lot higher than the, wow. the outflow that happened. So in that sense, if you think about it, is that people are more uh, focused on whatever returns that I can grab right now before hmm. 
uh, things start to go bad, right? That's that's the that's the whole narrative that everyone is trying to focus on, right? I see. So the last mile, and then once they make it back, they might see what happens in the yeah. It, it seems as if you know it. it this mm. seems more uh, a period for um, short term tactical plays rather than long term yep, exactly. buy and and forget about it for for the rest of your life type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last thing to to maybe talk about a little bit is the the shape of the U curve and the whole implied recession risk, right? <laughs> so I think Anthony, yeah, you asked me, uh, or someone asked on the TFC Telegram group chat as well. Oh, yeah, um, um, yeah, like U, what, U what this whole thing means. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I yeah. think at face value, uh, curve inversion essentially just tells us that uh, market sees the Fed getting to around 3% and tipping the economy into recession. Okay. Um, but I think, like, my, whatever I written in my note on TFC, uh, Telegram chat, if you ever read, uh, please go and read. Yeah, yeah. No, so, no, so no, please I'm go gonna... to the group first, then you <laughs> yes. can read. <laughs> it's a public group, right? <laughs> yes, it is, yes. It, it is. is, it is, yeah. Anthony wrote some good points as well, so do, do, do check that out. Um, yeah, but I think that uh, it's to note that the current environment is likened to 1970s and 1980s, um, essentially in the periods of significant spot inflation, the inflation curve tends to invert and also flatten. Um, so you start seeing flattened inversion from time to time. And this also means that during this period, it's fairly easy for the nominal curves, your nominal yield curves to also uh, flatten or invert. And these nominal okay. yield curves are the curves that we are familiar with, the one that we see from on Bloomberg and what's not. So yeah. whatever the media is trying to tell you. Um, but if you strip out all the different noise, the inflation noise, you and you look at just the real yield curve itself, you realize that it's still upward sloping, which means that the markets are not actually pricing the Fed, taking the policy rate into restrictive territory. So we already discussed it, I think, two weeks back uh, before I went MIA. Uh, we talk about it. To, uh, I, I mentioned that the markets are, are not really taking the Fed seriously in that sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little bit complacent on that front. Um, yeah, I think on the whole global market side of things, everyone is just expecting the odds of inflation to be a lot lower. Mm. So in plain speak, it, it just means that the recession risk implied by a given nominal curve slope is much lower in a high inflation environment. Like what we what we are currently are, and Dude, in fact, I, I don't know how that's plain speak, right? I I know how much it's much individually. I still don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference. Like the the key thing to think about right now, right, is there's a difference, which is mm-hmm. one you the media always focus on a nominal U curve, yeah, and that's not the real focus that we should be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real U curve is what we should look at to determine whether there's a potential recession in that sense. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, that, that's it, right? If you look at the uh, Goldman's model, which takes into mm-hmm. account of the shape of a real yield curve, mm-hmm. it still implies roughly about 35% to 40% chance of a recession over the next 12 months. So we are still not out of the woods in that sense. Yeah. Wait, wait, sorry. So a, a real U curve is is the nominal minus inflation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Correct. Welcome to Economics 101, everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, once you add real, it just means inflation adjusted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So the nominal yield curve, you mentioned the real one was at 30-40% probability of, of recession from Goldman. What about the nominal one? 
what is the one everyone says? Uh, the, the normal one is a lot higher in that sense because uh, technically speaking, um, there's, a, there's a paper that was written, I think, last week uh, by Larry Summers uh, from NBA. So mm-hmm. basically the National Bureau of Economic Research in the US. So he he looks at both nominal and real U curve. Uh, the the too long did not read was basically uh, he was just trying to say that if you look at nominal U curve, there's always a lag in that sense. So maybe you have to uh, look at it from uh, three different periods. So his periods was like a quarter. So he expects like recession to still uh, comes in in twenty twenty three twenty twenty four like uh, that period of time. Okay. Uh, and if you look at like nominal, uh, sorry, real inflation, uh, sorry, real, sorry, real yield curve in that sense, mm-hmm. it's pretty much give you the same indication, which is like the next 12 months, you're probably going to see a more challenging uh, period for investors. So it pretty much coincides. Yeah. But the media narrative is always like, okay, if we see an inversion right now, uh, recession is going to happen, yeah. but they never ever tell you when it's going to happen. So the question <laughs> yeah. of when it's going to happen is more important. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, okay. I think that's the... So then I have yeah. one last question, right, for our coconuts out there. So should we do the last mile? <laughs> I think um, the last yes. mile, it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Way finished now. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I, I'm going think... to sell everything today and take some profits. <laughs> uh, I I honestly think that it's more of a sucker rally. Yeah, so Ooh. I I couldn't recommend uh, to be speculative on like fast movement stocks because a lot of us don't have the discipline and when we get a thesis wrong then we tend to like just hold on to it you know hold the line and what's not Um, but I mean if you are thinking of the sucker rally do remember that it's just a short term play a more of technical one I know of people like on Wall Street Bets you look at it like AMC is back Zoom (laughs) GameStop uh, Robinhood even uh, yes. But yeah, it's 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 treats to to put on for sure. You probably make make a little bit here and there, or maybe a, a quite a bit as well. Uh, but do remember, like I say, it's just a trade. Um, set your set your loss limits. Uh, and cut your losses whenever you deem fit. Yeah, but I think the period from April to September is gonna be a time where we we still gonna see the S and P going uh, higher. And we do think like, oh, we are out of the woods. But honestly speaking, only when uh, June comes, when we start seeing the balance sheet, uh, the Fed's balance sheet start uh, reversing, then mm-hmm. that's when the true pain will start taking place. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. So this kind of like period, it, it can last from months and months and months on end, right? It's not like, oh yeah, two, three weeks, scout team, then, then we move on with life. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But the thing is that um, you... Really need to know. I think one thing is about all is all about money flow, right? So mm-hmm. I I'm a more of a macro person. So when I look at it, I I think um, right now we are just seeing uh, rate hikes happening. Um, that's great. That's that's good for for the economy in some sense. Um, but the but the thing is that when the Fed start to unwind their balance sheet, that's the part where. Uh, a lot of people don't see or don't understand what's going to happen. But that, okay. in fact, affect money flow, which in turn affect uh, where people park their money in equity or crypto and what's not. All your risky assets, they'll start unwinding as well. Yeah. Then, But the unwinding won't take place, you know, 
instantaneously. So there's a yeah, bit of a lag, lag is what you're trying to there's say. There's always a lag in yeah. that sense. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's why I say uh, April to September might still be a pretty rosy period. You might see like some, uh, if history repeats itself, usually in a quarter, after a quarter uh, time from the unwinding of balance sheet, that's when you start seeing a dip in the equity market as well. And that's the time to actually pay attention and watch your portfolio because things will start, you know, turning red and it's time to think oh. of whether you're going to cut your losses. Well, yeah. What are we going to do for the next five months? Wait till September. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you can put on small trades here and there or still DCA, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. My, my, I, I need to have a bit of a think about it, but my initial reaction is, oh yeah, you know, DCA, may, maybe just be a, a bit more nimble in profit taking right so so like i, I think i bought my, my last batch of things are like of course shares are like 20 30 percent up in two weeks right which is insane and no but you know whether or not you have to take some profit now continue this thing at this price i think that that is the, the question right because uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it really does feel like this is a this is just a trap to, to you know yeah. taking all the bulls before we, yeah. we go into a proper bad market yeah, I mean, even in, like, if you look at seasonality-wise, like S&P, right, mm. April is usually the best month uh, if you look at monthly return statistics uh, from 1964 all the way up to, like, 2020, even 2021. <laughs> uh, September tends to be the worst month, so it's sort of, like, down, downtrend from there onwards. Got yeah. And, and in between, you have sell in May and go away, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not wrong. It's a holiday period as well. Yeah. So you sell in May, then go away, and then you then wake up June, when September ends. September. Oh, yes. no, you wake up when September ends. Yeah, yeah exactly. You wake up when September ends. Yeah. On, only if you are going to short. La. Otherwise, you just look at the amount of rate, you go back to sleep. <laughs> Very nice. Awesome, folks. Uh, I think it was a great episode today. Thanks so much uh, for having you back, Jeff. Uh, good to see Hooray. you. And to all the coconuts out there, thanks for another good episode. Please, again, let us know on the Telegram group, on hellofinancialcoconut.com, or just slide into our DMs. Let us know if you like this new format, right? We wanted to show you a bit more about the world and other things than just three topics. And see you next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, Join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.